you're ready to talk fantasy football, then you're ready for the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your hosts, Mike Randall and Scott Burke. Welcome back to the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. We are taping on Monday night, August 6th. Our Dynasty Startup League is in full effect. And partner, I think I got what, six, seven Titans on my team? Yeah, it's 19. Uh, 19 <laughs> Titans. We've only done 21 rounds, so... <laughs> You know, you're, you're almost one per. It's, it's impressive. I don't know how you're doing it. You know, Eddie George somehow made, made a run. Antonio Andrews got picked. Derek Mason, I think, made a return. It, it's just it's unbelievable what you're doing right now. Uh, you are a Closet Titan fan. You don't have to admit it to the listeners. It's fine. I know it. You know it. But I think they get it as well. You are definitely a Music City fan. You are a Tennessee Titan fan. And... Uh, just pronounce your love so we can uh, move on with it. Well, I, I think the key is that I do get locked on certain teams and players every year. You accuse me of being an Allen Robinson fan years ago. Now it's the Titans. And next year it will be somebody else. And by the way, my Anthony Miller love on the Bears is climbing <laughs> fairly rapidly. But I do believe that the Titans have a tremendous amount of value. I think last year everything that could go wrong did go wrong. We all liked Marcus Mariota coming into last year. He bonked. I love the Titans' offensive line. They didn't play well. Totally new regime. Matt LaFleur comes over. And their offensive players, because of last year, have a tremendous amount of value. I am not a Deion Lewis fan. You know that. And by the way, Rashard Matthews looks like he's going the wrong way with the injury. But whether it's Delaney Walker, whether it's Jonu Smith and Dynasty, because I'll hold him. Of course, Derrick Henry, you like too. So really, the only guy I think that I like that you that you don't is Jonu Smith. Well, you don't like Corey Davis. Nah. Uh, Rashard Matthews is hurt. He's you don't hurt, like Deion yeah, Lewis. So for all that offensive potential, you've narrowed it down to about one and a half guys you like. Because John Smith's a half because he's irrelevant until Delaney Walker either gets true. hurt that's true. or doesn't play. Yeah, so, redraft, you're right. It's true. Yeah. You know, fine. Mariota, fine. So I'll give you two and a half, but that's it. But listen, I, I get it. There's, there's some talent there. You're not a Corey Davis guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not really a Corey Davis guy either, but he fell to me in the seventh. Seventh, you know, round, Scott, seventh, seventh, uh, seventh round, 10th pick in a dynasty startup, so I figured I, I might as well pull the trigger Scott, there. Scott, you know, he could pop, though, if you think about it. I mean, I think about the narrative, right? Different coaching staff. He was a top 10 pick last year, right? Super athletic guy. Would it shock you if he came out and had 80 catches this year? It wouldn't shock me. This could I see the narrative where Corey Davis could be relevant. So your pick could be really good. It's possible. So, so Philip Supernaw, you're not you're not worried about Philip Supernaw. What a great name. I love that name. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great now, listen, name. Corey Davis got a chance. I mean, obviously, the offense is good. And, you know, second year receiver. We know we talk about most of those first-year guys don't really pop. I know you're a huge Anthony Miller guy all of a sudden. Oh, my so God, That's yes. good. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, listen, I'm Derrick Henry guy. Mariota should have a bounce back. Tywan Taylor, you like him. So, yeah, you uh, I love Tywan Taylor, yeah. So, you're, so you're a Titan fan. I, the question is, which Titan jersey do you buy? I mean, do you retro it? Do you go McNair, George? Uh, be or do you get if crazy? It'll be John. If if if, if John if Delaney only, Walker is going to be John, yes, you may be the only person to own a John Smith Titan jersey. So that's something partner. To you that's what you respect about me. I am my own man, right? Another guy I really like, and then we'll get into news and notes. I'm really warming to Kyle Usick of the Niners. Let me explain why. Okay, first of all, he's totally cheap. Someone just dropped him in that dynasty league that I couldn't win last year. Lost on the last week. Kyle Usick was dropped. I picked him up right away. Here's why: If McKinnon does not profile as a goal line back, right? 
I could see Kyle Usyk one injury away from being the goal line back in San Francisco. Now, listen, he's a last pickup in a dynasty league, so he's pickup number 32. But I could see a way, Scott, that I start him one time this year. I could nope. see it. It's irrelevant. Nope, you will not. <laughs> he, he, listen, I, I get the goal line back thing. You know, that's that's your thing. That's your motto, and I get it, and it makes a ton of sense. But it doesn't make a ton of sense when you're going for a fullback and you're hoping that – the lead back that just got $30 million gets hurt, that Matt Brieta does nothing, and you're hoping that Kyle Huszczyk, <laughs> who will have seven total rushing yards on the season, scores 12 touchdowns, and you just happen to pick the week he gets three. So 4.4 4. 4 carry. 4.4 4 carry in his go career. Away. He's, got, he's got a better better yards <laughs> per carry than Melvin Gordon. Ah, there it is. All right, perfect segue. Here we go. First quarter. Scott, a lot of news here. Going to go through, uh, quickly through it. You give me your reaction. Sony Michelle will undergo a procedure on his knee after injuring it last Wednesday in training camp practice. I think this elevates Rex Burkhead, doesn't it, my friend? Yeah, I'm sure when you saw this. <laughs> You were doing, uh, you know, jumping on the trampoline, doing oh, circles in your sleep. Oh. You, you pulled out your daughter's toys and was bouncing up against the wall, everything. Yeah, um, it, it can only ele- elevate Rex Burkhead. I also think it elevates James White a lot as well. Oh, I think who James has them White, in your dynasty startup? Who has James White? <laughs> That's great. You also got Rex Burkhead, Mike Gillisley you'll have in a few rounds. Jeremy I'm Hill. I'm thinking about well. Jeremy Hill. I am and thinking I think about Corey Jeremy Dillon's Hill. Dylan's on your radar also. I'm so. thinking about Jeremy Hill. I am. I, I know you are. Um, <laughs> James White, I think, is like is becoming the forgotten man here. I know you're you're talking about Burkhead a lot. There's a lot of talk about Sonny Michelle, but James White consistently a big part of this offense for the Patriots. So he, if Michelle is out, I think he becomes a very vital part. So does Burkhead. They become kind of a one-one-a tandem until one of them fumbles, and then the, that person's out, and then Gillisley or Hill gets a shot. There's the shot. So, so for now. I, it elevates both. I like James White, though. I think James White is sneaky value there. So uh, both guys get elevated. 72 targets last year for James White. Year before, 86 targets. Been top 10 in targets each of those years. Alan Hearns' groin has been limited at training camp. Scott, I don't know, but I uh, interviewed Marcus Mosier for the RV32 Dallas Cowboys uh, preview, team preview series there. Hashtag RV32. We talked about this. He seems to think that none of them are really going to be a wide receiver one. He thinks they may not even be wide receiver twos. I'm not buying the Tavon Austin stuff. I liked hearing what Marcus Mosher said about Austin is not getting rushing attempts in practice. So I kind of think Hearns is decent. I plugged him in. I did a predictor there. He's one of those apps on Rotoviz. I had him at 78 receptions, maybe a little high, but how about 68? Oh, I think we know where I stand that Hearns. I projected him at 81. Ooh. So that's where I put Hearns. If anybody's going to you know, be the number one guy, to me, it's him. Maybe they neither one finishes as a wide receiver one, him or Gallup. But I think Hearns has got the best shot as long as he's healthy. Obviously, the... Injury history is uh, something he's prone to. So if he could stay healthy in Dallas, he's got the potential to be the guy to benefit the most, in my opinion. Came out today, Browns coach Hugh Jackson said he is, quote, not changing his mind about Tyrod Taylor. I like hearing that because I have Tyrod in a couple dynasty leagues. You think this is much ado about nothing? Is he forcing the issue here? You think Tyrod's got a chance to start in, I don't know, seven, eight games? I think Tyrod should start most of the season. I mean, depending on where the Browns go, a lot of people think they're going to be better. You think they're going to win week one, so you got them at 1-0 and after one week. I got them at 2-1 and because they're playing the Jets in week three. Well, there you go. So look at that. So you got them at 667 after three weeks. So why would you Why would you bench Tyrod Taylor? Tyrod Taylor is a veteran quarterback. He got no respect in Buffalo. I'm not saying he is a an all-world quarterback, but he is more than serviceable. He can lead the offense that's got, some, got plenty of weapons around him. 
One that's no longer there, which I'm sure you like, Corey Coleman goes to Buffalo where he used to be. Now Corey Coleman maybe gets a chance to play a little bit. And they're still talking about bringing in Des Bryant. So Tyra Taylor should be the guy to start for most of the year. If it goes south and this team is 2-8 and eight after 10 weeks, then let's see Baker Mayfield. But if, you, if they want to compete right now, Tyra Taylor's the guy. I'm going to be unbearable. They're going to beat the Steelers week one. They'll beat the Jets week three. They'll win at the Bucks on week seven. I'll have them three and four through seven weeks, Scotty. Probably beat the Patriots if they got them on the schedule, right? <laughs> Bengals wide receiver John Ross, after they cut LaFell, has opened the team scrimmage as the number two receiver on Saturday. I'm not buying it, Scott. I just wrote up. Matt Kelly asked me to do a write-up for the draft kit because it's a fluid draft kit over there at uh, playerprofiler.com. We change as we go. I wrote it up on Josh Malone. I like Josh Malone. I like his profile. I think John Ross has gotten hurt. Now, when's the last time John Ross was relevant? When he was in Washington, when he was a junior or a, a senior? was hurt as a junior, then senior year. So two of the last three years, he's done nothing. I kind of like uh, Josh Malone. You like John Ross in Cincinnati? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know when the last time John Ross is relevant, but we're certainly name-dropping here tonight on the podcast. But I am a Tyler Boyd guy. Um, oh, okay. To me, okay. to me, he'll line up as a number two guy. I think Ross will maybe get a chance as we get sooner or later on in the year. But I think out of the gate, I think Ross will be uh, – Boyd will be the guy to get the chance to be the number two over John Ross. Had the big catch to beat the Ravens at the end of the year last year, put the Bills in the playoffs. Colts owner Jim Ursay said he could see Marlon Mack approaching 1,500 yards. Do we give a darn what the Colts owner says? No, he probably was drinking, so I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, what there, it is, there it is. <laughs> Listen, 1,500 yards would be great. So what does that mean? He gets 1,500. Naeem Hines gets, what, 800. Jordan Wilkins gets 750. And Andrew Luck throws for, what, 4,500 yards? Light him up. Colts offense, light it up. Scott, more likely to happen. Marlon Mack gets 1,500 total yards. Naeem Hines becomes an RB2, becomes that Alvin Kamara blanket for Andrew Luck. Or Jordan Wilkins gets eight touchdowns as the goal line back. You had to pick one of those. What do you think is happening? Naeem Hines. Okay. I probably agree with you. Vance McDonald was listed as the starting tight end on the Steelers' depth chart. He had that big 10-reception, 112-yard performance in the divisional round last year. He's had injuries. If he's healthy, he's incredible. And pro football focus grade him as number two among the 70 qualifiers in run blocking. So that's good because it means he's going to be on the field, right, to block for Bell. What do you got, Vance McDonald? Yeah, I mean, it also means a little play action with him as well. I, I feel like if he's healthy, this is a guy that could get 55 receptions. He could be in that tight end conversation, 55, 60 catches. But he's got to be healthy. Uh, Jesse James gets some looks as well. But he McDonald's a more talented tight end. But the question is, can he stay on the field? If he can stay on the field in this offense with the weapons around him, 55 to 60 is not out of the question. Kenneth Dixon resumed practice at Ravens camp. Only ring, reason I'm bringing this up is they love the Kenneth Dixon profile. He was a, a, an incredible pass catcher at Louisiana Tech. I told you I did the interview there with Luke Jones. That the Javoris Allen is like the safe guy. They want Kenneth Dixon to pop. Listen, the Ravens throw the ball a lot. They usually throw the ball high fives, low 600 times. Their wide receiver core is not fantastic. In fact, it's revamped. I'm just saying, late round flyer, round 13, round 14, Kenneth Dixon a possibility if he pops in a preseason? Hey, if you got room on the roster, it's worth a flyer to take him. Alex Collins still be the lead guy out of the gate, but I'm sure Collins' leash won't be that long. So Dixon's worth a flyer if you have room on your roster to, to stash him. Eric Decker's got a one-year deal with the Patriots, just 75000 in guaranteed money. Today they cut, they cut Malcolm Mitchell, by the way. So I was worried that Decker wasn't going to make the team. Maybe he will. Ready for this? Without looking, how many targets did Eric Decker have last year? In Tennessee? Yep. Eric Decker had 
94. Yeah, wow. He had 83. I couldn't believe he had that many targets. He did nothing with those targets, but he did have 83. He's 31 years old. Looks like he's going to be with Tom Brady. Eric Decker, wide receiver three? Nah, I don't know. I don't even know if he's going to make it out of, out, out of uh, the preseason, to be honest with you. I, I, he looked really bad in Tennessee. Did not look healthy. Did not look like he was had a lot left. So I wouldn't even be surprised if he's not on the roster come opening week. Packers survived a scare. Left tackle David Bakatiari uh, was diagnosed with a, left, a sprained left ankle, but they thought he was gone. Uh, they thought he was in a lot of trouble. He was carted off. Aaron Rodgers needs protection. That was a pretty nice dodge bullet there. Sure was. You want to keep Aaron Rodgers upright. You want no more broken collarbones. So that is good news for Cheesehead fans. We talked about Coleman for the seventh round pick. Bills and, and uh, Browns make a lot of trades, by the way. Uh, Carlos Hyde was listed as the Browns' first team running back. This matter to you? I think this is more of a salary thing right now. We got to see how this goes during the preseason. We got Duke Johnson. It's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of rotating backs between the three of them. So I mean, I don't think it really matters who's listed number one. Uh, we won't really get a feel for this situation until week one or week two or in the books. Last one, NBC's Peter King put this on a video on Twitter. Six-round wide receiver Deion Kane has been the big star of Colts training camp. They're talking about him starting next to T.Y. Hilton with maybe Chester Rogers in the slot. Listen, if Luck's healthy, that's a nice late-round flyer, no? It could be, but don't forget they gave Ryan Grant money as well. Yeah, and he's he's going to be there. He's going to have a chance to line up as the number two. But look, I'm sure any of these teams would like to see a young wide receiver step up, make some plays, and try to make an impact early. So maybe if he continues that route, we know after T.Y. Hilton, it's a crapshoot between the rest of them. So why not Deion Kane uh, earn that number two job? I just want him to pop so we can open up the podcast with Wrath of Kane. A little 80s rap there, Big Daddy Kane. All right, we're moving on. Second quarter. All right, Scott, I got some ADP changes here. So I, I went on Fantasy Football Calculator, and I pulled a couple players whose ADP has either risen dramatically risen or really fallen off the last month. So this is over the last month. I just want to get your reaction on it. Andrew Luck, a month ago, he was going round nine, pick 11. He's now headed up towards the middle of round eight. I'm going to take a guess. You're going to see this trend continue. Yeah, this trend will continue. As long as the reports say he's healthy, he'll probably, before you know it, be a mid-seventh rounder at this point in time. Uh, If Andrew Luck's healthy, Andrew Luck is what, top three, top four fantasy quarterback? Yeah, top gotta, five, top five for sure, yeah. He's, but he's got to be healthy. So if he continues to make it through training camp and preseason games, we see a little bit, maybe probably that second or third game, a couple reps. If he looks good, it's only going to go up. This next one, Scott, makes no sense to me. Kirk Cousins, a month ago, was going at the beginning of round seven, maybe late round six. Now he's going at beginning of round eight. Any idea why? Well, I mean, it could coincide with the luck movement. If luck's, you know, one quarterback going up, someone else is probably going to go backwards, right? So maybe that's it. I That would be the only explanation for me because I think Cousins is in a real good spot there. Two talented wide receivers, a tight end. He loves throwing to tight ends, and he's got a talented tight end with a talented back and a good line. There'd be really no reason for Cousins to drop other than other people just moving up, and, you know, by happenstance, someone's got to go down. Uh, next one, Darius Geis is quickly becoming one of my favorite players. He is going. He was going sort of the mid to end of round three, but with the news about Chris Thompson, Scott, I can make an argument that Darius Geis should go at the end of round two. He profiles as a three-down back. There's, there's there's tweets of him catching passes. He's explosive. The only reason he was buried on the depth chart in college till very late was Leonard Fournette down at LSU. I like Darius Geis. You buy him as a late second round RB? 
Yeah, I think I would now with the news of Chris Thompson being out for a while and not being fully healthy. Geis has a chance to be a three-down back, and if you could be a three-down back in this league, your draft position is going to go up, especially in PPR leagues. We've seen a little bit of Samaj P. Ryan. We didn't like what we saw. Rob Kelly, again, he's battling injuries as well. Those are your other options there. So with no Chris Thompson, Darius Geis is going to get a crack to be a three-down back, and if he can run with it, He'll make early third round look like a steal. I don't know why you would take Rashad Penny or Ronald Jones and redraft over Darius Geis. It just doesn't make any sense. It, uh, Ronald Jones is going without Jameis Winston for the first couple games. Rashad Penny's on a on a looks like an awful offense. Doug Baldwin's now injured the offensive line. They're trying to get it better. I know workload, workload, but why is Rashad Penny's workload going to be more than Darius Geis's workload? And uh, and the Redskins' offensive line is better than the Seattle. I, I, I don't get it. Plus, I think Seattle will be. Probably, well, I mean, both teams may be a negative game script. I think Redskins may be a better team overall in Seattle with that defensive flux. Uh, I'm, I'm with you, Darius Geis over Rashad Penny. It's not even a question for me. Ronald Ronald Jones the same. I like Ronald Jones on a dynasty setup, which is where I grabbed him. I also handcuffed him with Peyton Barber. But Good move. Good move. Uh, yeah, but uh, Darius Geis, right now with that Thompson news, Geis is uh, very, very enticing late second, early third. Yeah, and by the way, Alex Smith's still a checkdown machine. That's good for guys. Don't go by the deep balls last year. That was an anomaly. Lamar Miller, I know. He's not exciting. He's not sexy. He's cult pizza. I get it. About a, a month ago, Scott, he's going late round four. Now he's creeping up to early round four, late round three. If Deontay Foreman is not, because if he's going to stay in that PUP list and he's going to be out for six or seven weeks, you got to take Miller. You have to. I, you have to take him in round four in the middle. No. Yeah, with Deshaun Watson healthy, Lamar Miller's yeah. value goes up a little bit. Look, I was a fan of Miller leaving Miami and going to Houston a couple of years ago. I think you remember me saying I was all for Lamar Miller. I thought it would be a fresh start. He really hasn't – you know, he's had a couple of, you know, not okay seasons, a couple of moments, but nothing spectacular. But with a healthy Deshaun Watson, if Deonta Foreman is unhealthy, Alfred Blue's not scaring me to take touches away from Lamar Miller. So, yeah, early fourth is probably where he – going to go would i take lamar miller personally no at this point take him around five round five i would probably consider okay. taking him okay. i would not take him round four i would probably look for a better wide receiver option or possibly you know, a zach Ertz type if he falls that far yeah and remember lamar miller five more ppr fantasy points per game with deshaun watson there than without i'm going to put these two together for you last two scott people are buying into chris carson Okay. Month ago, he was going mid round 11. Now he's going in late round nine. Okay. That's a huge move. And on the flip side, Rashad Penny, a month ago, was going mid round three. He's now going mid round four. Listen, I love value. I don't hate players. I hate where their ADPs are. I just can't get there with Rashad Penny. Could you sell me on maybe, maybe Pete Carroll's telling the truth with Chris Carson? Maybe. Round 11, sure, but both of these guys to me are stay away. I'm not taking Chris Carson around nine, and I'm not ready to invest a fourth-round pick in Rashad Penny. I'm not, no? No, I mean, if you're going to compare, let's just comparison say Rashad Penny or Lamar Miller, I'll oh, take Lamar Miller or Penny. Yeah, yeah. Um, if, I would stay away from both of the guys, but if I had to take either one in their situation, I'd go Carson over Penny. Um, maybe it's coach speak. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's what I saw a little bit last year before he got hurt. I don't like the Seattle backfield situation. I did it last year. I don't like it again this year. Uh, but if I were going to pick one of these two where they're going right now, it's Carson. I would not take Rashad Penny. I don't think I would take Rashad Penny even in the fifth round. It's just not oh, – it's probably one of those players, like you like to say, that you would have a zero part of, a zero piece of. For me, it's Rashad Penny. I would have nothing to do with Rashad Penny. Picking up the blitz, zero exposure, Rashad Penny. Third quarter. 
Third quarter, I'm going to do some bold predictions. Are there any other kind? Bold predictions. <laughs> Scott, I want you to grade these. I want you to grade them scale of 1 to 10 on boldness. So 10 would be that Alex Smith would be the QB1. Okay, okay. so that would, that would be a 10. Uh, a 1 would be that I think... Le'Veon Bell will be in the top 25 in PPR running back scoring. Okay. So I want you to grade on both. And I also then want you to grade it on realistic. So like I could make a bold prediction and you go, there's no way this is happening. Or I can make a bold prediction. You go, listen, I know it's bold, but I think it could happen. You understand? So I want two grades from you. I want one to 10, whether it's bold and one to 10, whether you think it's realistic, right? Here we go. Building off what we just said, I'm going to say that Seahawks QB Russell Wilson will finish outside of the top 12 fantasy quarterbacks. Let me give you my rationale. For most of the last two or three years, man, in the first eight games, he's been outside the last 12, the the, uh, the first 12. He's only had these remarkable, crazy three, four touchdown games from week 10 on. This team may not be as good with the weapons. He lost Jimmy Graham. He's got a rookie running back. Baldwin's injured. Would you pick Amara Darbo out of a lineup if I put him in front of you? I don't think they have a lot of weapons. Brian Schottenheimer's never produced a wide receiver one. It looks like it's going to be a heavy run offense. I like Russell Wilson, but I think he's going to finish as a QB too. What do you got? On a boldness scale of 1 to 10, I'd say your prediction here is a 7. Okay. And on a realistic scale, I would put it at about a 6. That's not more than a 7 for bold? Name one of the fantasy analysts who says Russell Wilson's not a QB one. Well, you just you just broke the reasons why. Oh, okay. um, you know you got a you got a gimpy uh, Doug Baldwin. You lost a red zone threat in Jimmy Graham. You have outside wide, other wide receivers in Tyler Lockett who hasn't done it yet. Amara Dobo, Amara Darbo who we haven't seen. Tanner McAvoy is there. Brandon Marshall. The running, the, the running backs are in question. I please stop it, Brandon Marshall. Someone actually reached out to me and said they thought they were going to take him to the dynasty league. I said stop, just, just, just go away. Please go, just go away with that. But so there's a lot of question marks in the offense. And Russell Wilson, you've been a big Russell Wilson guy for a few years now. So you go to a negative game script situation, sure, he's going to be slinging it. But we may see more interceptions as well, Russell Wilson. We may see a couple more fumbles running around in the pocket. Uh, so your boldness, what did I say, seven, realistic, six. Browns QB, Tyrod Taylor. You know I love Tyrod. Let's go crazy, Scott. Let's say Tyrod Taylor starts the entire season and finishes as a QB1 in fantasy. Reasons are very simple. He played with the Bills. He was a fringe QB1 when he played with the Bills. They had no weapons whatsoever, right? He now goes to Hugh Jackson. He's got your former guy with Pittsburgh, Todd Haley. They have a lot of weapons. Josh Gordon should be there. David Njoku, three running backs. Jarvis Landry, safety blanket, yada, yada, yada. How about this? I, if he starts the entire season, he's a lock for a QB1. But my prediction is that he starts the entire season and finishes at a QB1. Entire season is a five because I think that has good potential based on how they go. Quarterback one, so top 12 quarterback. I'm going to give you boldness there, about a seven and a half to an eight because he does have some talent around him, but it's still the Cleveland Browns. It's almost like the New York Mets in baseball. You go to the Mets, you could be a 310 hitter all your life. You go to the Mets, you bet 206, you get three home runs, and you get hurt by June. It's the Cleveland Browns. They're almost, I want to say, it's not a snake-bitten franchise, but they have had some real trouble since they came back after being becoming the Baltimore Ravens and then being reintroduced into this league again as the Cleveland Browns. So entire season five, I think he's got a chance to start this entire season, especially if they tread water. Uh, as far as the QB1, he's going to flirt with it. 
I'll give you a boldness on an eight. He'll probably finish right outside of it. If he starts all 16 games, I feel like I'm going to be kicking myself for basically trading Devontae Freeman for Michael Gallup and Phillip Rivers in that dynasty league. Yeah, it's a tough one. You're another. It's a Freeman guy. Another one of you guys. Just let him go. You give it up. Give it up on all you guys this year. No yeah, rust, no just, I just. I don't Freeman. know. You know, he wasn't good last year, man. And maybe they got to use Coleman more. He's awfully small. I, you know. And I needed Rivers and Gallup could be a wide receiver one by the end of the year. You know, again, yeah. Again, my RV thirty two interview, Marcus Mosier. You may want to listen to it. You know. I'm sorry. What did you do that for? Was that Rotoviz? Uh, <laughs> Rotoviz. Yes. Mar- yes Marcus Marcus Mosier never had so much exposure in his life. Eighteen thousand followers. On the here's the next one. On the last year, his contract in the explosive Philadelphia offense. I'm not an Ajayi guy. Neither are you. But man, he's the last year of his contract. That's a big time offense. He'll be there the whole year. Suppose they give him a ton of touches because they're going to let him walk like Le'Veon Bell. You know what I mean? And he's going to need to have those touches to get a new contract, right? He's going to want to get signed by someone. So the team's motivated to give him the ball. Ajayi's motivated to do something with the ball. How about the fact that he's an RB1 before the Eagles let him walk this year? What do you think? Uh, Seven and seven. Uh, there's There's a lot of... Mouths to feed in that Eagle backfield. Um, Wendell Smallwood, Corey oh, Clement, on. Wendell Smallwood, Corey, Corey Clement, you Sproles, Sproles, Darren Sproles is still there. So there's a lot of mouths to feed in that Eagles backfield. And apparently Sproles quote's going to be a big part of the offense this year. And he's 57 years old. He's all five foot nine, but he's going to be a big part. So we'll see. Uh, seven and seven on both. I think they do like Corey Clement. I think he's going to be a vital part of that offense and integral part, especially on third downs which will make it tough for Ajayi to get the, quote, a la Le'Veon Bell touches, because uh, Le'Veon Bell is one of those backs that pays 98% of the time. You see James Conner once every, you know, 45 touches. And I see Jalen Samuels a little more, partner. You might. You might. I took him. Dynasty League. Yeah, good pick. I got criticized for it because it's a Steeler bias. Uh, now nah, anyway. you took him back-to-back with Vance McDonald. That was, that's, that's tough. It was actually with Mason Rudolph. But uh, it, oh, it, so, it, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, son. That's much better. That's much better. Around 19 to 20 of a dynasty startup. I'm sorry. Who should, who should I have taken? Josh McCown? Well, wait a minute. You rip on me for taking Titans in round 19, but I can't rip on you for taking Steelers? At least the guys I'm taking are on active rosters. You're taking guys that retired 12 years ago. So 7-7 seven and seven on your Ajayi. Who is that? Ajayi. Who retired 20 years ago? John, John Smith? What are you talking about? Yeah, Jay Ajayi right now is going as the RB20. He's in the fourth round. So in retrospect, probably not too bold, but I could see a pathway. Would it shock you if Jay Ajayi had like six touchdowns for the first four weeks? Would that shock you? I, probably no, not, but... It would, it would not. Yeah. It would not shock me one bit if he had six through the first four weeks. Next one. Despite being drafted well outside of the RB2 range, and right now this player is being drafted as the RB37 in PPR formats. 37! Isaiah Crowell finishes as a top 20 PPR running back. I think this is a zero on boldness because I think it's going to happen. Yeah, I'm giving you a three on boldness. I'm giving you an eight on realisticness. Um, Crowell's, you know, knock on wood for him. Never missed a snap in his NFL career. Elijah McGuire is banged up. Lyle Powell gets some action on third down. Uh, Crowell is going to be a good first and second down running back. Uh, The Jets will probably be in some negative situations as well, but he'll get his touches. He'll get his carries. Top 20 is certainly in the realm of possibilities. So three on the boldness, eight on the realistic scale. Next one, and I'm big on this one. And I kind of kept it under the radar once you told me we're doing our Dynasty League. We got a couple listeners in there. I'm believing in 49ers tight end George Kittle. 
I think he's going to be a top five fantasy tight end. Listen, partner, every year there's a tight end that comes from the bottom, okay, and ends up doing some good things. Jimmy Garoppolo is – all reports is he loves George Kittle in camp. He's great on those short to intermediate routes. They don't have a ton of playmakers. Your Marquise Goodwin call seems very good. It seems like they have a, something going on right now. But I think Kittle could be a great red zone target. Right now he's going as the tight end 11, which is available in the 10th round. He's super athletic. It's not like there's 5 million people there. Uh, Kyle Shanahan certainly is a creative guy. He's one of their most athletic and well-rounded targets. I think George Kittle can be a tight end one. Are you taking George Kittle over Greg Olson? And, uh, yeah. You know why? Because of where I have to take him. I got to take Greg Olson around five. I'm not taking Greg Olson around five. Greg Olson had trouble scoring touchdowns, Scott, when he was totally healthy. Greg Olson, from all accounts, has one year left before he retires. Is uh, that so who you me, want? Is that who you want to spend a fifth round pick me, on? Let me pose it a different way. Is Greg is is George Kittle going to outperform Greg Olson? You put my life on the line. You put my daughter's life on the line. I say yes. I think George Kittle. I just think George Kittle is going to outperform Greg Olson. Yes, I do. Will, will he outperform Evan Ingram? Yes, I'm Jimmy more sure Graham? about that one. Jimmy Graham in PPR. Yes. So you got him number four then. So you replace four, five, and six. Yes. Graham Olson and Ingram. You put him right. You put Kittle right behind Ertz, Kelsey, and Gronkowski. Yes, I do. Yes, boldness, I do. boldness nine, realistic five. <laughs> okay, uh, fair. You're you know, fair. You're being very fair tonight. This is good. I think I think Kittle will be a very productive tight end. I think he has top ten, uh, you know, possibilities. Maybe even a top eight kind of guy, but with these names that are out there in the in the top ten, the, the Kyle Rudolphs will go up. Delaney Walker will stay where he's at. You know, I'm not a big Ingram guy. It's fine. Olsen still has connections with Newton and Jimmy Graham. I think will be the red zone guy, which is only going to help him. Yeah, I don't think again, not big on catches, but I think he's going to score possibly nine to ten touchdowns with Rodgers in the red zone. So there's guys you got to pass. I think he could be in that top ten, top eight. It'll be tough for me to put him in the top five, though. But I think he'll have a nice, productive season. You know I'm on the Marquise Goodwin bandwagon. Someone took him ahead of me in the Dynasty League. Very, very upset about that. Uh, but that's where I'm at. I would give you, uh, what did I say? Nine on the boldness, five on a realistic scale. But George Kittle is a very popular player. Uh, at the draft window, a lot of people like him. You know, I like Trey Burton. A lot of guys like George Kittle. Last one, bold predictions here, third quarter. Detroit Lions wide receiver Kenny Galladay being drafted as the wide receiver 57 in PPR formats. He will finish as the Lions number one wide receiver scoring more fantasy points than Marvin Jones or Golden Tate. Marvin Jones, here's my argument. The guy over his career, 18 receptions, 51 receptions, missed a whole season, 65 receptions, 55 receptions, 61 receptions. Never been a 70-80 wide receiver guy. So just to be in the ballpark of Marvin Jones, he's got to catch about 50-60 balls. And he had nine touchdowns last year. He had 10 with the Bengals in 2013. But I think Galladay takes those touchdowns away. I think Golden Tate loses a few receptions here or there. So for the value right now, Golden Tate is going in the fourth round. He's wide receiver 20, mid-fourth round. Marvin Jones is going mid-fifth round, wide receiver 26. Disgusting value. For wide receiver 57, I can get Kenny Galladay Scott in late round 12, early round 13. I think he's going to lead the Lions in fantasy points. Eight on boldness, four on realistic. Uh, For me, I would take Golden Tate in the fourth round. I know what Golden Tate is. I've seen enough of Golden Tate to understand the consistency that Golden Tate is. He's healthy. He will be the number one. Can Galladay beat Marvin Jones for number two? Absolutely. He will not be Golden Tate for number one as long as Golden Tate is healthy. 
He is a reception machine. He's a target machine. He's consistent. He's under the radar. I will take the known in the fourth in Golden Tate versus the unknown in Galladay in the twelfth. Fourth quarter. And a fourth quarter wrap it up tonight. I want to talk to you about draft strategy. So I am curious, Scott. You know, I did the Scott Fishbowl, and there's this guy. I, I don't have his Twitter handle. He's like the sports decision. It's not a statistician. Sports decision. And he did a breakdown. He looked at every pick that everyone made from each position. I don't know how I did this. It must take it forever. And basically what he said was, okay, so did you pick a player that more often than not across all of the leagues was drafted earlier? If that's the case, he considers you're getting great value, right? So let's say I got Kenny Galladay. And in 72% of the drafts, Kenny Galladay went earlier. He's saying if all these people know what they're doing and we have such a large sample size, then that's a good thing. All right. So what he did is he looked at each position. Looking at the 101 of all the drafts in Scott Fishbowl, all 900 people, okay, I have the second lowest percentage of anyone who drafted at the 101 Only 27% of my players that I drafted were drafted before I took them, meaning 73% of my roster was drafted before the majority of other people took the player. Here's my attitude, and I want to know your take. I don't really care. We study this stuff. We talk about it on the podcast. We write articles about it. We do interviews. We make decisions. We have our guys that we believe in. I don't care if I'm reaching for them. I think I'm going to be right more often than I'm wrong. I'm not going to be right every single time. No one is. We make mistakes. We don't know. But I think I'm going to be right a heck of a lot more than I'm going to be wrong. And if I'm going down, partner, I'm going down with my guys. I'm not going down with somebody else because I'm nervous that my takes are wrong. I am strong with my takes, as are you. And these are the guys we want. So if I'm sinking, I'm sinking with my guys. What do you think about good old Mike Randall being 27% of his players having the second lowest rating? And the only guy I'm ahead of, Hilal, who I know from Roto Underworld, picked Dalvin Cook at the one-on-one. It, uh, <laughs> it, it does not surprise me one bit. Um, yeah, I've been around you long enough to know, and it's a mantra that you have, that you are your own man. And you are. You... You target players, you find guys, and you stick with them, which is a very, very good trait. Sometimes, though, you stick with them to a fault. It's just my opinion. It's fair. I'm okay with that. You go down swinging with certain guys that maybe aren't on other people's radar, and sometimes they're not even in their atmosphere. But that is something you do, and that's what you do, and that's fine. Am I surprised to see you at 27? No. So the, for this guy to do to do all this work, you know, that takes a lot for him to do that because there's over 900 something people in this in this Scott Fishbowl. I am not one of them. So Scott Fish, if you're listening, I'm awaiting the invite next year. You in? I may be kicked but, out. But I mean, listen, yeah, no, I don't know about that. But you went you went Zeke one one. I wouldn't be able to tell you the rest of your draft at this moment. But does it surprise me that you reach for guys ahead of people? No. Because you've done that in any league we've been in. You also make trades that a lot of people in our leagues will look at and say, wow, what is he doing? But it's because you got guys you target and you stick with them. I'll read it to you right now. Ready? Really quick. Give me reach or not reach. Really quick. Ready? 
Good. So we talked about Zeke. End of round two, Joe Mixon and Stefan Diggs at the turn. I'd say that's all right. Mixon maybe a little bit, but Diggs no. Round four, round five turn, Amari Cooper. I think that's incredible value. And Derrick Henry. Most people will probably see Henry as a reach because they're not high in him like we are. So that can definitely play into the numbers. Round six, seven turn, Rex, Rex Burkett. I don't know if you heard of him. And Jimmy Graham. Yeah, the Rex Burkett thing, 100% is a reach. Uh, that's definitely plays into your 27% numbers. Jimmy PPR Graham. PPR premium. PPR premium. Understood. Understood. But again, it's not everybody well. And I'm sure this guy's numbers are calculated pre-Sony Michelle injury as well. So let's keep that in mind. Now Burkhead's value at six may be on par with where he should be. But pre-Michelle injury, he probably was a little further back. Just a few more. Round eight, round nine turn. Tyrod Taylor and Eli Manning. Remember, I needed a quarterback. Yep, well, this those are both reaches, so that adds <laughs> to your numbers. 10-11 uh, turn. Vance McDonald, Alan Hearns. Probably reaches on Vance McDonald. Alan Hearns. That's probably late on Alan Hearns, in my opinion. I had the gr- And then I'll shut up. I had the greatest 12-13 turn in the entire Scott Fishbowl. Anthony Miller and Kenny Galladay. Both reaches in the numbers, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm with you on Anthony Miller. I'm slowly getting there, as I did take him in the Dynasty League, and you were very unhappy with me for that. Yes, I didn't like that. And the Galladay thing, listen, you think he could be a one. I think he'll be a two. This guy probably pegs him as a three, so that's where your numbers come in. But again, it does not surprise me. That's probably why a lot of our listeners enjoy listening to the show, is we stick to what we say. We don't flip-flop just because someone projects someone else there. Yeah, you're saying for a long time with me is, who's an expert? What does an expert know? You're your own expert. You do your own numbers. You break down your own rankings. As do you. As do you. And that's, and that's what we do. We, we, we don't, you know, with all due respect to every other, quote, expert out there, we are our own experts. and We go by what we believe in and we follow. And that's what you do to a fault sometimes. And I do it to a fault, too. And that's why if I was in this, I probably would have been 35%, maybe 40%. I'd be low. I don't think I'd be 27 but I'd be about 35, 40. Scott, last pick in the draft I had, I took Traquan Smith. I think that's an incredible pick. And my turn, John Smith and Antonio Gates. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Traquan Smith got the value. Brandon Coleman's gone, so one less one less uh, mouth to feed in front of him in New Orleans. Brandon Coleman was cut. I took Brandon Coleman in that first dynasty league we did, so I'm going to see if he catches on with anybody. If not, he may be uh, a free agent. But uh, listen, 27%, I get it. You know you get it. You're, you weren't surprised in the least when you saw it. You're probably actually very proud. When I you damn saw it. right probably, I was. You're you were probably right. hoping you were. You probably hoping you were behind Halal at the twenty percent. Dalvin Cook at one point oh one in the dynasty yes. league. That actually uh, that that tells you why he's number twenty. <laughs> All right, folks. So there you go. Pick it up the blitz. Scott, I break fast and furious. Scott's got great articles coming out. Last word on pro football and score crow. So make sure to watch out for that. Follow him on Twitter at SCOT557. Of course, the pod on PUT Blitz. I'm at Randall Rand. As I mentioned before, I am doing RV32. I'm doing the Chicago Bears tomorrow. That'll post this week. I got Detroit and Green Bay as well. So we got three NFC North teams coming for you. Make sure to check that out, partner. And Mike, I got a cooler's worth. I'm talking about a six-foot cooler's worth. Of beer on my porch from the party we had Saturday Ooh, with my daughter. Nice. I don't know when you want to come over, but the porch is open. There is tons of food left and beer everywhere on that porch. I am just slowly going through it all. I need a little help, so feel free to come on by. You got a great party, man. That balloon guy was incredible. <laughs> Making balloons for the kids, octopus. By the way, the, the octopus. octopus. The octopus. He made Ariel for my daughter. I don't know how he made Yeah, Ariel. but I'm mad at you because the octopus uh, busted 
last night at like 930. Well, that's a disaster. I'm, I'm pretty disaster. confident your monster of a son going to really went out there. <laughs> disaster. Disaster. We'll see you.